Shaba. Glory. The heavenly glory is so strong. You know why? Because you're filled with the Godhead. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> no wonder why it's not a fading glory. Christ lives inside of me. And I'm realizing the glory. What is the realization of the glory? What's realizing the glory? The Bible teaches in Ephesians it's Christ within you. The realization of the glory. See, you're not in the glory until you realize He's in you. That's what it says in Ephesians. Christ in you. The hope of realizing the glory. Hallelujah. How much glory? All the glory of the white throne and the Lamb who sits on the white throne, which is our light. In the Gospels, it's called the light of life or the living light. How many of y'all know there's a light that's not alive? It's called the light of the stars. And then there's a light that's alive, active, and energized. The light of the Creator. The light of the Lamb on the throne. You are the light of the world because you carry that creative glory light. It's Christ within you. And now you have realized the glory. Hallelujah. There's nothing to go back to. You've been bought with the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Everything out in the world is just a mirage built by not living light, but dead light. <laughs> Starlight, sunlight. The dragon's tail that swept one-third of the stars. The second heavens. And you see second heavens in the charismatic church goes, Eek! The wickedness of the high places of the principalities of the heavenly sphere that have been defeated by Christ. Already defeated. And it is true. The red dragon, that's why his head is not mentioned in Revelation. He's been decapitated. He's headless. It's true. The cross cut off his head. And now all that's left is the fizzling out of the starlight in human flesh, which is the tail. But when you realize the glory, it's completely shizzled and fizzled. And all the fizzling has gone all the, all the way through your flesh, bones, and blood. And you realize, whoa, I'm not a tail anymore. I'm not from below. Tail means below. I'm actually the head now, not the tail. I'm from above and not below. I'm literally a son and daughter of glory. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Christ has been seen inside me. I have seen Him with my own eyes. I have witnessed Christ living on the inside of me. He took up residency. Jesus, come into my spirit. Jesus, come into my heart. Your heart and your spirit, same word, used synonymously throughout the entire Bible. <laughs> Jesus, come into my heart. Bam, He did. And guess what? And then we realize by the awakening, the renewal of our mind, He's in there with us and we're not alone. And then we also wake up to how much He loves us. <laughs> You read the Gospel of John, you read, read 1 John, and you read Revelation. It's the progression of the Apostle John, Jesus' friend who leaned on his chest. He called him the one Jesus loved, or the Beloved. John the Beloved, that's his name, because his whole foundation of experiencing God was based on love. 
And I have found in 12 years of full-time ministry that every sin in every person's life is because of a lack of God's love, divine love, the love of Jesus, which is the glory of God, by the way. (laughs) The realization of the glory or the realization of how much He loves us. Everyone I know that's had experiences in heaven says, oh, it's just overwhelming love. I'm drunk on love. Song of Solomon 2.4, he brought me into a house of wine. Therefore, his banner over me is love. And then you're commanded in Song of Solomon 5.1 to be drunk on love, brothers and sisters, because when you're in love, you have no desires for anything of sin. Lust has no appeal to you whatsoever because it's an inferior pleasure. You'll never lust again. Why would you? It's like going back into a pig trough. And I know we've all done it a thousand times. I mean, who's perfect? Christ. Christ is perfect. And where does he live? Inside you. Realize the glory. And you just don't ever want to go back to inferior pleasures. Heaven is the superior pleasure. Psalms 23 in the Septuagint says, Your cup was supremely intoxicating. Supremely. Which means there's no rival to his love once you're actually pickled in love, baptized in love, baptized in glory, realizing the glory of Christ inside your heart. An endless supply of power and strength and intimacy, fulfilling every desire of the heart. What is the heart? It's the hidden person within. That's the person that God sees called your spirit life. God is spirit, so he only works within the spirit. And the overflow of your spirit life is the transfiguration of the renewing of your mind by the washing of the water of the word. And the more and more you wake up to the realization of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit inside your heart, you overflow in that love and it washes your body to the point where you'll be young at 100 years old. This is the generation programmed by God, the seventh day generation, six days since Adam, you're entering the time with 6,018. The Gregorian calendar is correct. You're in the year 6,018. The Jewish calendar is off by over 200 years. The Pharisees changed it in the first century to not point to Jesus as the Messiah. You're in the seventh day. You're in the kingdom age. You're 16 or 18 years into the kingdom age of the seventh day. And on the seventh day, God rested And guess what? It's already prescribed by God the Father, the sovereign King of all creation, that all mankind enters His rest the seventh day. That's why there's such a shaking in the nations because the human nature doesn't want to enter the rest. They want to do, 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 just religious, religious, religious. But no human being gets any vote in it whatsoever. God the Father prescribed this day of rest before he even created the world. (laughs) That's why anyone kicking against the pricks is fighting the Father's sovereignty, fighting rest, fighting the glory. And you fight so long, and I fought for years. I mean, I fought with everything I had. I was so rebellious until I was completely dead and even in a continual LSD trip at age 18. And I'd fought with everything I had. I fought God, and I fought God and completely lost. I can say from experience, I have wrestled the angel of the Lord and lost. 
He has changed my name. He has changed my nature from Jacob to Israel, which is every Christian's testimony. We have fought God and lost. And you don't get your hip broken like Jacob. You know what you get? You get His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what having the hip broken and Jacob becoming Israel symbolizes in the Old Testament. You actually wrestle with God with all our human stubbornness, everything that we have planned for our own life, and you lose. Paul, it's not easy to kick against the prick. Saul Tarsus, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change the course of your life. You're going to wrestle me and you've lost. It's not easy kicking against the pricks. And we kick, 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 and we just die to ourselves by our own prideful, stubborn will. And we just get totally filled and possessed and forgiven by God. And He changes the course of our lives. That's every single real Christian's testimony that has ever lived for the last 2,000 years. And it's solitarsis is in the book of Acts. It's demonstrated in there because it was the most dramatic conversion of the first century. <laughs> it was. <laughs> you know, out killing Christians, and then, and then Jesus forgives them, the murderer of the Christians. He was putting them into little concentration camps. It's like in modern times, God forgiving Adolf Hitler. I mean, seriously, to put it into a you know, 20th or 21st century grid, it's like if God had gotten a hold of Adolf Hitler, like, no one would believe that. But Paul, Saul's killing Christians. And God treated him with the forgiveness of sin, without condemnation. He's a murderer. He's a serial killer. Hello? What kind of God is this that forgives a serial killer, Saul of Tarsus, transforms him inwardly so dramatically that he's so perfectly pure in his heart that he can write scripture, that he can love everyone unconditionally and he's getting beat up. <laughs> you know, he's stoned so many times, it says, that he lost track of how many times he was stoned. Hallelujah. I mean, that's someone who's in love. If you can do that and just keep on going and be like, I know you don't understand. I know you don't get it. Because I was so deceived just like you. I'll take the abuse. I'll take the stoning. I'll take the punishment. You could stone me every day of my life. I will get up and tell you this again and again and again. And he did. He was a witness all the way into Caesar's palace. He's writing some of the, the epistles from Rome. The house of Caesar sends you greetings, he says in his epistles. Oh, and they gave him his own lavish apartment. The historians say he lived like a king in a mansion. It's true. He's very rich because he had transformed the whole world. A lot of people got into religion after that. I don't know if you noticed the Dark Ages. They, they named all the cities after Paul, though. You know, he's got all the citadels and he's got all the big Catholic cathedrals. Huge superhero of Christianity. But we got really religious. Got so religious that during the Dark Ages, life expectancy went down to ages, age 32 in Europe. You know, and we were, we were living nice, you know, glory lives as, you know, the sons and daughters of God in the first century. And then our life expectancy drops 50% because of religious death. 
We change the language so that nobody can understand anything in the Bible, put it into Latin, a secret code for the elite ruling class, and then we'll enslave everyone with secret knowledge, gnosis, sorcery. <laughs> Jesuit sorcery is what it is. Those kind of secret societies of religious systems are everywhere still to this day. Little church clubs, little I'm better than you because of what I know clubs. It's all pride, it's all Luciferian, it's all satanic, it's all based on the tree of knowledge. It has nothing to do with the childlike innocence of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are written at a seventh grade level of education. The men who turned the world upside down. They're called unlearned in the Bible. Jesus was called unlearned by the Pharisees. How does someone not educated know so much? You know, they thought he was an idiot. And here he is, the creator of heaven and earth. And his own creation is calling him dumb. And it says that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Athens, in, in Acts 17, what is this rambling fool talking about? Here's the man that's studying under Gamaliel, which to this day is the greatest rabbinical scholar in Judaic history and they're calling him a babbling fool. I mean that's how anointed he was that he counted all his education as dung so that the apostolic witness that transformed civilization could smack Athens which was the education capital of planet earth in that day and transform the entire educational system of the world. I mean, how great is the anointing? What are you going to sacrifice in your brain to walk in that kind of power? I mean, that's really every day what the Holy Spirit asks us. What are you going to give up for more of me and less of you? And some of us are like everything. Other of us can barely give up anything. And I'm telling you, that's the measure that you feel God's presence and power. It is by sacrifice. You come to the end of yourself kicking against the pricks, wrestling God, and you just give up and you lose. We're all the biggest losers. It's true. Because we're fallen humanity. There's not a winner in humanity. Every single person on earth is a loser without Christ. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? You're not a winner. God sees the inner man. He sees the heart. You know, you could be rich and be the biggest loser. You could be poor and be the biggest loser. It has nothing to do with externalism of the natural dimension. Jesus Christ says in John chapter 6 that the flesh counts for nothing, that there's no profit in it. The profit comes in the fruitfulness of the tree of life growing in the heart and through the soul. Jesus said, I've come that you would have fruit and fruit that lasts, and the work of God is to believe in the one God sent that you would be very fruitful and bear forth the fruits of the Holy Spirit and a thousandfold fruitfulness monthly by the tree of life, as it's written in the book of Revelation. That's the bar of God. That's the standard of God, that you bear much fruit, a thousandfold fruitfulness of the fruits of the Holy Spirit through your inner unseen person, the true you inside that body, your heart, inwardly adorned with righteousness, justice, peace, holiness, love, joy, peace. Amen. And it's true. The love and the joy and the peace have taken the place of the heroin and the crack and the marijuana and the alcohol. 
And it's a superior pleasure, by the way. God isn't ripping you off and stealing your fun like the, re the rebellious demons want to lie to you and keep you hooked to secret sin all of your life so that you're in inferior pleasures. There is no greater pleasure than ecstasy. Ecstasy is the fruitfulness of God's Holy Spirit, the tree of life consuming your whole heart, transforming your personality so your personality is sweetened by the Holy Spirit. All things made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 are, are you living by your old man? <laughs> what is the old man? The person of the flesh. The false you. The fake you. That's not who you are. That's what's crucified with Christ so that the hidden person of the heart that's adorned with all the riches measure of the divine presence comes forth and you have a transfigured personality renewed in your mind and all of you, the divine you that Jesus died for on the cross comes forth and blazes through your forehead which is the gate of God of the temple of the Holy Spirit the building that is not made by human hands you are the building made by human hands Your bodies. <laughs> the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's true. He will glorify the temple that He built, but not the one that man built. And so man's plans will be frustrated. They'll, be, they'll come to utterly ruin in the world. They're all pyramids. They're all humanity. They're human systems. It's rubbish to Him. That's what He died on the cross to drown with His glory. Not to destroy human beings, but to destroy sin. To destroy the separation of man living apart from God. That's why He died on the cross. And we'll bring the floods that destroy that false separation, that fake veil of a dirty conscience in your forehead. All of that will be washed with crystal clear living waters, and everyone will see the, gl the great glory during this time. Amen. That's what we bring. We bring the temple of the anointing oil. We bring the temple of the Holy Spirit. We bring the new covenant. We bring the good news. The reality of what He died for. The glorification of mankind. The restoration of all things to what Adam and Eve actually walked in before they fell and were limited to their flesh. We're not limited to the flesh anymore. We're in Christ. Christ is our limitations. And in Christ there is no limitations. All things are possible for those who believe. I tell you the truth. If you have faith in Christ, Christ can be the leadership of your life. It's called being spirit-led. You need to be spirit-led and not flesh-led. Flesh-led is by human reasoning. It's demonic. Be spirit-led. We have the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and the spirit of the Lord, the fullness of the Godhead indwelling us bodily, burning through our hearts and minds. We're led by the seven blazing torches of the Lion of the tribe of Judah that's conquered. We're led by Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're led by the living Word, active, energized. And I tell you the truth, we're singing the Song of Moses. The Song of Moses is for the overcomers that stand on top Mount Zion, which is the Holy Spirit mountain of the whole world. And it's the Word of God that circumcises every lie from all flesh in the world. All the lies that are in human brains. All the lies that are in human hearts and human minds. All the fruit of the tree of knowledge cut down and thrown into the lake of fire so that only the tree of life remains 
in a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If you guys want to sow into that word, donate at Red Letter Ministries and be blessed a thousandfold back to you in the order of Melchizedek. Amen.